Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for the children you've given to us. We praise you for the teachers that are going to be there imparting wisdom and your word into their hearts, into their minds. Lord, we pray for strength. We pray, Lord, for insight. We pray, Lord, for uh, the children's minds to hold tight to the things they learn, that as they grow up, they would remember them. They'd recall them in their times of need and even their times of joy, Lord, at all times. Would they remember the truths that they are taught here today? We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. In our passage today, we're going to see the inner workings of the church body at work. We know that we are here to fill the gap, right? We've been talking about that. We are here to share the gospel in our soil, to plant those seeds of faith. But how is it that this happens? That's what we want to talk about today. And and here's your power statement for the morning. Are you ready for this? The church is driven and empowered by the Spirit of God, built upon a people who are devoted to God, body, mind, and soul, as we move the gospel message into the world by making and sending disciples. The church is here to listen, to commit, and to build to listen to the Spirit of God, commit ourselves to God with all that we are, and to build up disciples. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. The very last verse of Acts chapter 12, going into chapter 13. Acts 12, 25. Let's stand up for the reading of God's Word. It says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Amen. The reading of God's word. Thank you very much. Go ahead and be seated. The driving force and the power behind the church movement on earth is the Holy Spirit of God. It's not you and it's not me. Jesus Christ is the founder and the leader of the gospel mission who has sent his spirit to empower his church body and to move it forward to the end of the earth. Back when we were studying chapter 2 of the book of Acts, we recognized that it's all God's, isn't it? We've seen that several times in the book of Acts. The timing, the presence, the power, the message, when when God's Spirit came upon the disciples, it all belongs to God for His glory and not our own. Looking at the church of Antioch a couple weeks back, we saw that it was God who added to the church. The hand of the Lord was with them, right? 
And therefore, after hearing the preaching of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, God's message, that's when people turned. A great number turned to the Lord. Again, the power, the message, the turning, it's all God's. For His glory and not ours. It's not our doing. It's not our preferences. It's not our programs. And it's not our glory. We take a lot of this stuff to heart, don't we? And when the color of the carpet changes, we go, No, that can't be! It's not holy! And we laugh, but you realize we mean it? When we're there in that moment? You can't take this from me. Oh, is it yours? Did we make that mistake? Or is it God's? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what comes first? Is it the witness of the disciples or is it the Spirit of God? Acts 1.8, we've been going over it again and again and we will continue going over it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Spirit, then the witness. God's power, then our action. God's mission, our service. Chapter 13, verse 2, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Spirit set them apart. 13.4 So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. The Spirit sent them out. The Spirit set them apart. The Spirit sent them out. It, 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 was, it was the Spirit's guidance. It was the Spirit's gifting to them. It's the Spirit's empowerment of them to accomplish the work that He gave them to do. And we need to pay very careful attention to this. The deep, vested involvement of the living Spirit of God is present in the church mission and movement. Is present in the church's mission and movement. Here it is in Scripture, right? And yet we tend to put the Spirit kind of behind closed doors. As if we fear that God just might do something great here amongst us. The Spirit of God must be the power and the driving force behind all that we do as a church. All that we do as a church. He is our chief executive officer. Are we trying to walk this Christian life individually, corporately as a church, in our own knowledge and ability? Have we filled our heads with so much words so much knowledge that we think we can do this apart from him. In our own power, 
And, and think about it for a minute. Why would we do that when we know just how finite, how temporal, how limited, how fallen, and how broken we all are? If we want to see revival here in this church, here in this place, if we want to see the gospel message reaching hearts and bringing conviction, we need to remember that it is not our doing. This church thing, it's bigger than you or I, isn't it? It's been going on for 2,000 years. Longer than you or I have been alive. And God's Spirit will see it to its end. It all belongs to God. And we need to be sure, absolutely sure, that, that our church body is connected to that empowering, infinite, eternal Spirit of God who knows His greater plan from this moment to the end of the earth. Aligning ourselves with His plan and listening for His leading. We need to be those who are praying earnestly. Do you remember looking at that word last week? That, that earnest prayer. That, that sweating drops of blood kind of prayer. That prayer of Gethsemane of Jesus before he was drawn to be, drawn away to be crucified. That prayer of the disciples as they wanted to see Peter released from prison as they bowed their heads as they laid prostrate before God. That prayer that dependence upon who he is and what he wants to do. Do we pray like that? Do we pray big, knowing that God is the living God, just as David said? As he approached, as he approached Goliath, who was far too large for him to take on. But he knew the living God. Or, or do we pacify God in our prayer life and we just... We come before him, we do pray, but we, we pray kind of small. We pray because we know we need to. We aren't really listening for him and his leading. We aren't really waiting for him to do something great. Now, we don't want to get all charismatic and Pentecostal on you, right? We don't want to lose that self-control that is a fruit of the Spirit. It is an evidence of the Spirit of God living within us. But neither should we hyper-intellectualize our faith out of fear, deciding for God that He can no longer speak to us by His Holy Spirit. Today, the Spirit is alive. Do we realize that? The Spirit does speak. He is living. He is personal. And we need to be listening. He speaks to us in prayer and worship through His Word, verses 2 through 3. While they were worshiping the Lord, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas. For the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Have you ever had the Spirit of God just lean upon your conscience as you're contemplating the things in God's Word? Just, just reminding you of some way you need to walk, some gifting that you have, and some way that you need to be using that for His glory? 
as you're talking to him, as you're praying to him. We are called to be a people who delight in him and meditate upon his word day and night, all the time, constantly, consistently. Why? So that we can hear and understand who he is and his will for our lives. And then find ourselves, because we're spending so much time with him, because we're so relating to him constantly, we find ourselves walking accordingly. Sometimes he speaks to us through his people, doesn't he? Verse 3, it says, After fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Who sent out Paul and Barnabas? It's a trick question after you read verse 3. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Oop, that's verse 4. Who is it that sent out Paul and Barnabas? It was the Holy Spirit, right? But who did God use to confirm that call and to actually send them out? It was the people of God who prayed and laid hands upon them and sent them off. Let me just recount to you a a personal anecdote. When I became a pastor, I felt that desire in my heart to speak, to preach, to, to teach the Word of God. I felt that call of the Spirit on my life to be set apart for this work. But the heart is deceiving, isn't it? Sometimes we can feel things that aren't necessarily true. So to confirm that, this was indeed the Spirit's call upon my life, and not just a foolish whim, I went to and listened for confirmation of other Christians, other people around me, those that I knew were walking with God. Those that I knew were people of prayer. Those that I knew were people of his word. And I listened for their confirmation of those gifts in me. I may not be great at it yet, but hey, I'm getting there. I promise. Give me 25 years. Often, the Holy Spirit of God simply speaks to our conscience as a discerning voice, a helper in times of need. We need to be listening for those times. A voice of conviction was we are tempted. Listen. A voice of leading when we need to take action. Are we listening for the Spirit's leading for this church, for our individual lives? Prayerfully, thoughtfully, meditating upon his word, listening for his voice of conviction and leading upon our hearts and minds, seeking out the confirmation of those stalwart Christians around us? Or are we trying to live according to our own ways and our own thoughts because we think we haven't nailed? Are we ready to be used by God according to his will for the church today? The church today isn't the church yesterday. God's Spirit wasn't alive just 2,000 years ago. God's Spirit wasn't just alive 100 years ago, and now we can relegate him off to the side. But let's pray that, that we would be a church that listens 
and walks in the power and the leading of the Spirit of God. Because the driving force behind the church movement on earth to this day is the Holy Spirit of God. Or at least it should be. And he builds his church out of a people who love God with all their heart, all their mind, and their soul. They are committed to him completely, entirely, in everything that they are. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. These people who were used by God were students of God's word, weren't they? They were prophets and teachers. Those who listened to and proclaimed and taught the word of God. We all need to be taking in God's word. We all need to be studying it and taking it in. Finding opportunities to heed God's word through listening to preaching. I know this morning I'm preaching to the choir because you're right here. God's word is, it needs to be proclaimed in, in an exhortive manner. I, I'm so thankful you are here to, to take this beating that I give to you every Sunday. Because we need to hear from God's word in a way that convicts and draws and leads and pushes and, and gets us out there to walk according to his way and his word. To be encouraged to do these things. We need to be out there listening to good teaching. Listening to a teacher break down that academic detailed construction and application of God's word. We need to be seeking out that, those opportunities for those one-anothering moments where, where we are just hanging out like these guys, worshiping, praying together, laying on hands, living out, and sharing in, together in what they knew of God and his word. Let me add one more that we don't really see in this particular passage. Devotional study. We need to be people who are, who are listening to good preaching. We're, we're going out there and finding solid biblical teaching. We're, we're finding those one-anothering moments. And when, when we're having a, every day, in the morning or at night or both, or at some point during the day, we set aside some time for devotional study by yourself in prayer and contemplation of God's word and, and how it applies directly to your life individually. Find a place and a time each week to, to take in God's word in each of these ways. Each one of them is different. Preaching is not teaching. Is not one anothering. Is not devotional study. We need elements of these in our lives on a regular basis. They're all important to our Christian walk. So, so make sure you, you keep coming to these AM services and being under the exhortation of God's word. Key, find a, a Bible study or, or a Bible school class and go there and take in an in-depth study of God's word. Find a group of Christians, a small group, as we're working on that ministry here, whom you can share your Christian life with, where you can go to 
with those hard or the embarrassing questions that you aren't going to ask in a, in a Sunday school class. But you have a group that you can go to that, where you can encourage each other and build one another up in your faith and in your walk with Christ because it's an open opportunity to seek out wisdom and knowledge and ask those questions while you worship the Lord and pray together. Set aside a time each day to personally build your relationship with God. Because our faith needs to go beyond the intellectual. That, that simple knowledge of who God is, or knowing about God, or, or a religious rote action. It needs to reach into our hearts and souls everything that we are. What is the greatest commandment? Amen. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. All means all and that's all all means, right? This is the greatest and first commandment. Matthew 22. We are called to love God, not only with our minds, but with our hearts and our souls, everything that we are, our bodies, mentally, spiritually, physically committed to God. The men in this passage were, were not just studying God's word, but they were found worshiping and fasting and praying. Everything that they are given to God. In worship, we give our bodies, our hearts, and our minds to God in adoration, in just recognizing everything that he is and speaking out truths of who he is, thankfulness, thanking him for everything he's given and done for us. We, we confess to him of who he is and who we are before him in all honesty, talking to him, giving to him our supplications, sharing in our relationship with him. In fasting, we find these men that they were subjecting their physical bodies to the will of God for their lives with all that they were seeking out his desire for the church and for them. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. To borrow a, a phrase that's become very popular today, are we all in? Have we put all our chips on the table? Are we giving to the Lord all that we are, intellectually, physically, and spiritually, from our hearts and minds, acknowledging and recognizing who He is, applying it to our lives mentally and physically, living it out, subduing our bodies, not letting our bodies control where we go and what we do and when we eat and how we do it, so that there is no longer a separation between our faith in Jesus Christ and anything else that we are, anything else that we do, no longer compartmentalizing him, relegating him to certain days and certain times, certain places, 
Are we ready to hear from and be moved by the Spirit of God? Ready to move when he calls. When he says, set apart these two. Are we ready to do it and walk in it? Because this church, driven and empowered by the Spirit of God, built upon a people who are committed, devoted to God, body, mind, and soul, is here to move the gospel message out into the world, to the end of the earth. How do we do that? In our passage today, we see two ways that this is happening in the church. We we see mentoring and we see sending. There's mentoring in this passage and there's sending. As, As individuals, as a church body, we need to mentor and send so that the gospel message can continue to be firmly established in the lives of believers who will go out and make more believers, more disciples, who can then fill the gap when we aren't here anymore. I don't know about you, but I don't plan on living in this fallen world forever. Come, Lord Jesus, or take me to be with you. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What do Paul and Barnabas do in this passage? 1225. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Paul and Barnabas took on somebody younger than they in order to mentor and bring them along. The relationship wasn't perfect, as later on we'll see that John Mark ends up leaving them here in Acts. But apparently under Barnabas's continued encouragement, there is growth in him through the years. And that's mentoring. In 2 Timothy, Paul's last letter, he tells Timothy that Mark is helpful to him in his ministry. Years later, after Mark has matured, Mark is attributed with the writing of the gospel of Mark. Great things come from good mentors. Are you a man or woman of God? It is important in our gospel mission that we, as Jesus did with his own disciples, recognize, affirm, and train up the gifts that we see in those around us, those younger than us, as we recognize what God is doing in their lives. Those of us who are mature in our Christian walk, those with life experience and Christ experience, Are you willing to find someone? Are you willing to make that first phone call, have that first lunch, and build into someone's life, individually, personally? It's going to take humility from you, not from them. But Christ, our example, was humble, wasn't he? Luke chapter 22, Christ says to us, Let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines a table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines a table? But I am among you as the one who serves. 
Our greatest example was one who served humbly. This takes sacrifice of time and efforts. It takes struggles in prayer as you struggle for the person you take under your wing. As you choose to engage somebody in real life and live it right alongside them. It's not easy, but it is what we are called to. And then when people have been called and when people have been built up and recognized in their gifts, then we send them. 13.3 Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The church set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work that the Spirit had gifted and called them to. They sent out the first official missionary journey to the Gentiles that they too would hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you called to be a missionary? Are you gifted and called to be sent out? Let's be listening for that Spirit's call upon our lives. Maybe you are one who is gifted in that way and you should be sent out. Is anyone here ready to recognize those gifts in somebody else and send them out? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it isn't here right now. Maybe that missionary isn't amongst us yet. But let's be ready to hear that call. Not everybody in the church there was set apart, were they? Just Saul and Barnabas. Another question. Are you called to participate in missions? Without a doubt. Every last one of us. The church set them apart to do this work. The missionary work. It doesn't specify exactly how they set them apart, but I'm sure it included things like removing certain responsibilities so that they could prepare and focus for the work they were going to go do. It it probably included providing some finances so they could get up and get out the door and start their journey. Supplies so that they could use the time to do the work of the gospel instead of having to, to work as well and earn money so that they could then go out. The church prayed for them. The church endorsed their work. We are all involved here. We may not be called to the missions field, every single one of us, but we are all responsible to ensure that the gospel is on the move to the end of the earth. We need to be in prayer for our missionaries and the success of their ministries for the sake of Jesus Christ. Pray big for them. Pray specifically for them. Get their letter and pray. We can all help them and participate in their work by giving to the missions financially. They can't focus on the work that they want to be doing for the gospel for the sake of Jesus Christ if they have to spend 40 hours a week in a regular job. Some missionaries, that's part of their mission, and that's a great thing. But we can be involved in giving to them so that they can do the work that they're called to do. We can encourage our missionaries by contacting them. Have you ever contacted a missionary personally? On their letters, they often have an email if they're reachable. Some of them are not reachable, but have you ever tried contacting one just to encourage them, just to let them know I'm praying for you? Get to know them, build them up, encourage them. Be a part of their mission by providing for them in prayer and financially. Let's be ready to listen for the Spirit's leading. 
Let's be all in, giving God our heart, our mind, our soul, everything that we are, and not shutting out God in anything. No longer relegating him to certain parts of our lives, but taking in his word and applying it to our whole person, body, mind, and soul, physically, mentally, spiritually. Let's pass on our faith, our knowledge, our gifts as we mentor some and and set apart others for the ministry that they've been called to. Making my faith not just about me and where I'm going to be for the rest of my life or eternity, but making my faith about others, someone else. That the gospel mission would go to the end of the earth. That we would be active participants in that Acts 1-8 mission. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for the conviction of your word, the leading and the guidance of your word given to us. Lord, we praise you for the gifts that you have given to us. We praise you for the family that you've given to us here in this place. And Lord, we pray that we would be those who encourage each other and build each other up and pray with one another and pray for one another. Lord, that we would hear your Spirit's call. We would recognize the gifts you've given to one another, that we would use those gifts for the building up of this family and the drawing in of others that we would be committed to you with all that we are. By your Holy Spirit, call upon us, we pray, that we would be tools for your gospel mission. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.